you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Well, hey there, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. And uh, this time we've got... Another returning guest. We're kind of doing a thing right now where we've got some uh, some guests who've been on the show multiple times in the past, but we just can't stay away, especially from this guest in particular, an FOB, a friend of business, uh, a great guy to hang out with in Vegas and uh, in other places. We're talking to Ricardo Fayette, co-founder of Reedsy. Hey, Ricardo, welcome back to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me again. You guys have... Uh, I've actually lost count of how many times you've been on the show, but uh, it's always fun. It's always, everyone always responds very well. So, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm, I am actually excited to talk about this because there's some things happening on the Reedsy front and I, I want us to get into those. Um, but first, I mean, how you been doing? How's everything going in terms of Reedsy and, and your work there? Very good. Uh, very good. I think. January, like start of the year is always a great period for us, probably for you guys as well. Um, a lot of people publish a lot of books, uh, a lot of New Year resolutions of like people, you know, they get yeah. more manuscripts out of the drawer and they send them to editors on reads here. They say, oh, I'm going to change my cover. So we always get a surge of uh, an activity in January. Yeah, this one's no different. So it's always fun to see like December things slow down a lot. And so even after eight years, you still worry, like, is it going to pick up again in January as it always does? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it did, so it's like... <laughs> yeah. So for those who may not have tuned into earlier episodes or may not be aware, uh, can you give us kind of a rundown of what Reedsy is and what you guys do for the author community? Sure. The main thing we're known for, I think, is our marketplace where you can come in and get quotes from professionals uh, whom we've vetted. Uh, for all kinds of different services. So we started with the editing and design. So all kinds of editing from developmental editing down to proofreading, cover design, um, typesetting, illustration. And now we also have like marketing in there. So services are, are for authors who are a little bit uh, further along. Um, so in terms of marketing, we've got people who can help with email marketing, advertising, Facebook, Amazon, BookBub. Um, people can help with strategy. People who can help with uh, blurb writing. And then we've got literary translators, author website designers, ghostwriters. So pretty much all kinds of people you would ever need to hire throughout your uh, writing career. Um, and I think, yeah, that's what we specialize in and we're most known for. Then we've got a few other things like a free writing tool, which also exports. Um, but yeah, fewer people know about that. It's a little bit like draft to digital You guys are known for your distribution. Uh, and yeah. And yet you have amazing like um, formatting templates that not everyone knows about. Uh, but yeah, yeah, same thing here. I appreciate the the plug for our stuff. But you guys, uh, one of the things I appreciate about uh, Reedsy, by the way, is is uh, it's a one-stop shop kind of thing where I can answer the questions. When people come to me and say, how do I find a cover designer? How do I find an editor? You know, I can, I, I can boil all that down to just Reedsy.com. Then I have to spell it, you know, which I don't know. <laughs> why'd you guys go with the, uh, the double E for read Z? I'm going to put that link up by the way. But. Ah, yes. Um, so it's, 
but mostly it's because the domain was available. The .com domain was available. That's that's yeah. a big reason. Okay. The other reason is uh, it's basically it refers to papyrus. Papyrus is made of reeds. It was one of oh. the earliest forms of writing, and so we're like, okay, let's go for yeah. that. It sounds cute. Uh, so so we'll run with it. You know what they say when you're naming your company and establishing your brand, you should go with something obscure like reeds. Um, Exactly. <laughs> I'm, te- I'm teasing. Uh, so you guys, when were, when were you founded? 2014. Okay. So yeah, a couple, just a couple of years after draft digital kind of started yep. hitting the pixel scene. So we've, we've all been uh, through pretty much all of it together. What was, how, so that's 10, almost 10 years. That's nine years ago. So over the past nine years, what do you think has been like the biggest shift in this business? From your professional perspective, <laughs> professional perspective, biggest shift. Um, I don't know. I think the biggest shift is the one that started it all, and before before our businesses was like the shift to eBooks. Yeah, because uh, that's what enabled everything that's come afterwards. Then there have been like smaller shifts that some people thought were going to be huge revolutions, like Kindle Unlimited. Um, yeah. Now there's AI, there's audio, which keeps growing. Uh, so, but more than a shift, it adds new formats and new possibilities and new markets. So I think for me, the big shift is the thing that made everything possible in the first place, which was um, the adoption of ebook devices, of e-reading, and the growth of like digital shopping, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really been interesting to watch the the marketplaces shift. Like the you know early days, it was basically it was Amazon. I mean, you could you could eventually get to something like you know Barnes and Noble or, or something. Kobo Kobo came along, and but now it's you know there's actually marketplaces even I have never heard of. Like you know, we try to we try to be aware of all of them, but there's some popping up all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. there's new ones. So what are you seeing? Uh, what's, what, what is the service that authors uh, come to you for the most? Still to this day, it's editing. Um, yeah. Because I think it's, it's a service that everyone kind of needs and wants, especially in the earlier stages of the journey. And even afterwards, still, you know, yeah. want copy editing, proofreading. Um, then it's cover design. Though I think for cover design, we still get a ton of new authors who are certain that they can do their covers themselves, um, no matter how much we recommend against that. But I get it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in some cases, it, it can make sense that it's for your. And yeah. then we've been really amazed by the growth of marketing. Uh, we get a ton of marketing requests. We don't have as many marketers on Reti as we would want to, because, I mean, we're quite selective. And so we get a lot of applications from marketers who, yeah probably wouldn't be that great um but obviously we have a ton of interest i think most writers whenever one of their books doesn't sell will attribute that to marketing before they attribute it to the cover or the book itself uh so the first the first thing they want the first request they're going to want to send on retail is a request for marketing services and then maybe the marketer tells them you should reach out to a cover designer here or actually i read the first few pages and i don't think this is ready to be marketed they usually say yeah. it in a nicer way yeah um, <laughs> but but yeah uh we we get a lot of uh, a lot of 
interest for marketing services. And we've been pleasantly surprised by translation as well. Uh, we thought it was going to be very niche, but we get especially authors, I think, who especially repeat business for translation, like authors who yeah. hire the same translator over and over, who then start entering, they start with the German market and then move on to the other European markets. Um, there's definitely, it feels like the people who are doing it are having success with it. Uh, yeah. And so they're keeping on with other markets. It's interesting. Uh, you know, I have someone doing German translations for my books now, and it, it it's, it is interesting because there's, there's spikes in sales on that stuff. So just the shift, because the books are available in English there, but they've never been available in German and right. uh, it does make a difference. So how, how common is, so pe people do the translations. So like, how common is that? What percentage would you say of authors you guys get are doing translations? Very few, like um, one to 5%, uh, something like that. It's not, I mean, the, the, um, obviously, like, for those of you who are not aware of, uh, of retail, like, we were very selective in terms of the professionals we, we accept on the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so for translators, we have people who've worked with all of, all of the big names um, in, in their countries, like, who've worked with the top publishers in, in their countries. So they, they're professional translators, and as such, they charge around 10, 10 cents per word, which is kind of the standard rate for translation. It can be a little bit below or a little bit above, depending on genre and you know whether they hire someone else to proof it afterwards, things like that. But yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. Like you're thinking, eighty thousand word novel, eight thousand dollars. You gotta be making a good a, a good amount of money on your uh, on the English speaking market before you can think about putting eight thousand dollars to translate one book. Uh, and usually, people who do that, they go for the first three books in the series. And so yeah. We're talking even more money, um, and they recoup that if they already have an audience. Yeah. Usually, in the in the country where they're translating, like you, for example, you're getting English uh, sales yeah. for your English books in Germany, so it makes sense for you to translate to German because those people or fans of yours over there, they can tell their friends who don't necessarily read in English, "Hey, this author's awesome, and now his books are finally available in German." That is the challenge, though, because you're you are effectively starting over you know, from yeah. scratch. Um, so what, what is, you've mentioned this a couple of times, um, when it comes to the people that you guys, uh, allow to, to, to hawk their services through you, um, what is the process like to vet those people? Um, it's, it's very manual. So we get them to complete a profile and okay. that profile is basically their application. Uh, and it is what authors see afterwards on the marketplace. And then we look at all the information on the profile and we have a series of criteria. Um, and yeah, usually criteria is, you know, having worked for X number of years as a professional editor or designer, or marketer, et cetera. Um, ideally experience in either traditional publishing or with uh, big indie names, uh, people who, who have proven to sell well. So that we're certain that these people know their markets um, yeah. and yeah, and then we review the profiles and we tweak them or we ask them to tweak them, et cetera. So it's, it's a pretty long and manual process, but the result is that you get a really nice selection when you're on Reedsy. It's a searchable selection. So you can search by genre, you can search by service, you can search by keyword. If that genre doesn't, isn't in the drop down menu, for example, 
So yeah, if you want someone who's done like specifically, you know, Victorian romance, you can put in Victorian romance as a keyword and you're oh, gonna yeah. get very, very specific list of results. Yeah, that's handy. <laughs> Cause you know, we everyone's uh everyone's got something slightly different. So being able to kind of fine tune that, that's that's very handy. As yeah. we have a question, I want to pop it up because this is a good question, I think. Uh I think we can go off on this tangent a little, but uh, Ogilvy Stint on YouTube asks, is this like Fiverr? <laughs> uh, yeah, in the sense that it's uh, it's a freelancer marketplace. Yeah. yeah. Um, the difference is obviously that it's focused on publishing and that we, we have a completely different vetting process from Fiverr. Like Fiverr, it's a lot easier to, serve, to list your services on there. There's a tiny, tiny bit of curation and a lot of it is automated. Us, uh, we accept less than 5% of freelancers who apply to be listed on Reedsy. Wow. Who apply to, yeah, basically offer their services on the marketplace. So we're very selective and the process is completely manual. Um, so that's that's the main difference, I think. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's impressive. I mean, you know, I, I it's good. I mean, it's good that you're that... I want to say picky and it's not really picky, but I mean, you are, you know, you have stringent rules and, and that sort of thing. So um, what, what could someone do to last question I'm going to ask on this part of it, but I mean, what could someone do to no, up no, their no. odds of, uh, of getting into, you know, as an editor or a designer or whatever, you got some like best practices. Yeah. Build experience. Uh, so we've got a blog post. Uh, if you search for like receive freelancer selection criteria, you're going to find yeah. our, our post highlighting the criteria um, and just build experience. Try to reach is not a place where you're going to start kickstart your career. Basically you yeah. got to kickstart your career elsewhere, edit for friends, uh, maybe offer discounts uh, or yeah. Uh, find friends who are ready to pay for, for your, for your services non-professional yeah. services yet build your experience build your portfolio uh start taking on bigger names if you're good at it authors are going to recommend your services to their peers so you should get a bunch of business pretty quickly yeah. and once you've got those years of experience and those books under your belt then you can um, apply to join Reedsy. and even if you're not selected at first you can reapply i've got people who've applied one year or two years after the first time and then they were accepted the second or third time around because it built that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> so you had mentioned marketing and uh, you actually have, uh, you have a book, uh, one of your, you have a couple of books now. How many books do you have now? At least a couple. two. Yeah. Two. A two couple. of them. A couple is two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the newest one is a marketing focused. I think they're both marketing focused now that I think yeah. about it. But the second one is focused on specifically facebook ads you want to talk a little bit about the new book yeah so it's uh amazon ads for authors uh oh so amazon ads. Not facebook sorry. ads but it's 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 more about amazon <laughs> i'm sorry I, i'm sorry i, I got that <laughs> <laughs> that proves i don't it's, have it's the book it's yet. blue it's because it's blue it's um, blue that's what it is that's the problem <laughs> what is the you know amazon ads are such a tricky thing because you you there's some guidelines and rules and uh, some things that could prevent you from being able to successfully use Amazon ads. What, what would you say is the, the number one thing someone needs to remember uh, if they're going to try to use Amazon ads? Um, 
that it's a very analytical platform. Like it's it's a purely mathematical platform. There's no next to no creativity involved mm -hmm. in setting up ads on there. Um, so if you enjoy, if you run Facebook ads, for example, and you enjoy the part of the process where you create the images, you come up with copy and all of that, uh, you're not going to find that on Amazon. It's For me, it's all about numbers. And a lot of the book is about numbers. It's like how to figure out if your eyes are making profit, how to optimize your bids to make sure that you reach that profit and then how do you scale. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, some people have complained that there's too much math in there, but that's yeah. the problem with Amazon ads, basically. It's very, yeah, very analytical. Um, but yeah. Is there any limit on who can use Amazon ads? Yeah, you gotta um, have, I mean, the, certain authors might not be able to use Amazon ads for certain products if uh, if the cover displays things like nudity. Um, um, I think the the guns thing, if they're pointed at the reader, um, yeah, uh, there are in, for the very, for the steamy stuff, um, some books are not eligible for Amazon ads and yeah. it's not always super, um, Straightforward. It's a little bit hit and miss. Like <laughs> your ads might get rejected uh, in some cases, and they might go through in some others. So I know that for that kind of stuff, um, other channels are better. Uh, Facebook ads potentially yeah. uh, based on the image you select on there. TikTok uh, has grown a lot, basically for for that audience. Um, but yeah, for everything else, I would say that. 90% of authors can use Amazon ads for their books. And even if you can't, I would still try and wait for Amazon to yeah. shut it down if they want to shut it down. You might advise me against this. I don't know. But um, one of the things that I've enjoyed about Amazon ads is that it, I can effectively set it and forget it. Like I've, I've set up some ads that work well enough for what I need and I haven't had to touch them uh, in forever. So they, you know, it just, unlike Facebook ads, which seem to kind of eventually their effectiveness fades or, or something goes south. Uh, I've had Amazon ads running for quite a while now that, that still seem to get the numbers. So, and I'm no good. At I, I mean, one, one of the things I say in the book is that I think authors check their ads way too often uh, for Amazon. Uh, it makes no sense to check your, your ads every day or even every yeah. week unless you're getting a ton of clicks. You're yeah. getting, you know, a hundred clicks a week, then those clicks are going to be distributed across a bunch of different keywords or targets. Uh, so if you check that once every two weeks or once a month, that's plenty enough. Uh, otherwise you're making decisions based on, oh, this click got, this target got two clicks and didn't sell anything. I'm going to pose it. It's way too yeah. early to pose it. You've got no, no statistical significance there. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I actually look at Amazon ads for most authors I've worked with. I look at them every couple of weeks or every month. Um, and you spend a bunch of time on that, but you, you spend that time when there's enough data in there to, for you to be able to make decisions. Yeah. The tricky thing about ads and trying to track the data and everything is that it can get really expensive. And I think that's what, what worries people. Do you have tips for how to keep the, the cost down for testing? 
Yeah, for me, there are two there are two tactics, right? Which I outlined in the book. There's the the tactic that was more popular in the beginning when cheap when cost, uh, clicks were cheaper, uh, which mm -hmm. is spray and pray. You put a, a bunch of different keywords and targets in there. You bid relatively high, and you see what sticks to the wall. Obviously, um, by throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, you pay every time you, you throw something at the wall. So right now it can be costly. So if you've got money and you want to shorten the learning process, you can do that. If uh, you if you want to bootstrap it more, then you need to stay hyper relevant and start with very 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 relevant targets. Yeah, uh, that's gonna be not even just also boards, but also boards with a super similar cover or and or a super similar blurb than yours, and going very very specific um, and. If it starts working well, then trying to expand progressively, uh, but little by little. So two two types of funnels, right? If you have a lot of money, you have, you start with a big funnel, then you narrow down. But obviously, by narrowing down, you spend money. Uh, or the other the other kind, if you if you if you have budget in mind, right? Then you start very yeah. very narrow, and then you expand slowly, slowly, slowly. All right. I think the real answer here is buy Ricardo's book. Uh, so here's one of them. <laughs> Actually, it's, is it free? No, that one isn't. The first one, how to market a book, is free, that one's free. But this one, okay. the, the second one is uh, the second one is paid. Okay, so they can get hooked on the first one for free, and then they're gonna definitely want to pay for the second one. That's now, a, here's, like a, here's a question: a, 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 an old tactic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Lure them in. It's that's the candy. Uh, so here's a question. Maybe, maybe this is the idea for your next book, Ricardo, but Gregory asks, uh, I'm curious cause I'm not a fan of Amazon ads and Facebook ads been going South for me for years. Um, I mainly communicate on Twitter. Are there tools for Twitter? Do you know anything about ads on Twitter? Every time I've tried it, be it for retail or for authors, it's been terrible. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard anyone who had success advertising their books on Twitter. Now there might be some some people, uh, but the targeting capabilities are pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, on there, and yeah, you can get a lot of you can get a lot of impressions, but the clicks clicks aren't there. Um, so I would use Twitter if you enjoy Twitter. If you enjoy using Twitter, I would use it organically. Yeah. Uh, and try to get some organic visibility to readers in there using you know using the right hashtags, interacting right. with people, etc., uh, creating threads. But I wouldn't I wouldn't try to advertise on there. Yeah, I have to agree with that because I I have had absolutely no luck um, with getting sales through Twitter, and I, I I've tried all kinds of things. That doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means no, that no. I've failed at it <laughs> same, here. same here so um let's let's shift a little we got more questions and i, I definitely want to loop back on a couple of them but um when uh you guys have some stuff coming up what are you what are you working on at reedsy yeah we've got so we're working on a few things this year but uh, the most imminent one is uh, a little addition to our um our free writing tool the reedsy book editor so we don't mm -hmm. often talk about it but i mean we talk it, about it from a formatting perspective. We've always said that you know it can export your uh, it can export for free to um, ebook pro ebook format, so EPUB mm -hmm. 
uh, and to print ready PDF. So a little bit like, you know, Vellum or Atticus, uh, but it's browser based, so accessible from any device and it's free. Um, nice. The downside is that you don't have a ton of like templates and formatting options. Like you cannot put flowery things in the corners of the first pages in each chapter, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the main reasons I think why a lot of authors go for Vellum. Yeah. Um, but we're working more on like the earliest stages. So we've added uh, goal setting and tracking in there. So you can say, I want to write X amount of words by um, the end of March. Yeah. Uh, so like 50,000 words. And then the program is going to show you, okay, you need to write X amount of words per day. And you've got little graphs to stay accountable, and then you can activate notifications. If you miss your target one day, you get an email the next day telling you, hey, you missed your target. But good news, like you only need to write this many words from now on per day to still hit your um, your end of like March target. So it's a little kind of accountability thing. Um, yeah. And now we're what we're releasing probably next week. Uh, so it's not there yet. Uh, but next week we're adding boards. Uh, in there, which is basically plotting tools. So you, oh, nice. you'll be able to create in a different section boards for characters, for locations, for you know, magic systems, uh, just for notes. Uh, and then you'll be able to pin those to a sidebar so that you could, uh, for example, like a whole character pinned in the sidebar with their description, their traits, their arc, all of that. And while you're writing the manuscript, you can refer to to that character or to a location or to um, anything in there. So yeah, I think it's going to be fun for um, for plotting um, yeah. and then jumping straight into the writing in the same tool. Those kind of tools uh, always end up distracting me from the actual writing. Like I'll, I'll spend, you know, three weeks designing the perfect set of characters and settings. And, you know, and before I know it, I've, I'm a professional c character designer. Do you guys, what you guys need is a marketplace for people to put the characters and settings and plots and stuff uh, up for sale on Reedsy. <laughs> Maybe. No, we're thinking of having <laughs> templates in the future. Yeah. But we'll yeah. <laughs> That'd be handy. Um, I'm kidding about that. I don't think anybody should be buying characters and things from someone else. That just sounds like uh, opening a can of worms. So that's cool. Uh, so, and that's over the next month or so, you said, like in March? Yeah, probably next week. Next week, man. All right. And and you told me before this started, this is the first time you've talked about it publicly. So Absolutely. that's a D2D exclusive. A D2D exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> we get so few of those. Uh, that's cool, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, that. And I don't hear much about your writing tool. We need to probably push that more because, you know, it's, it's important for people to have options like that. Um, I'm a big fan. You probably know this. You, you actually, I think you sat in on my uh, bootstrapping for authors talk in Vegas, yeah. but uh, I'm a big fan of tools that authors can use to produce professional quality work that with like no to low overhead. So I'll have to update my slide deck for, for Reedsy now. Thank you. I hope so. I'll be there next time. You're going you're to have a little checklist. Yeah. Okay. You missed this, this, and this. Uh, <laughs> So what, in terms of like, um, speaking of budgets and overhead, um, what, and I know that it, it, things are going to be variable, but you know, what could an author expect in terms of overhead if they, if they're using Reedsy for these sorts of things? Like yeah, most authors don't have a budget. So, right. you know, what should they expect coming in? It depends on, on the service you're looking for. Um, 
I think we we every year we analyze our data on the marketplace from all the all the quotes that are sent, uh, and we create these average rates, right, for editing, cover design, etc. Yeah, and it varies a lot by service. It varies, obviously, uh, it varies by genre as well. Yeah, uh, and so we've got these little calculators and graphs where you can see how much uh, editing, uh, how much developmental editing costs for an eighty thousand word romance versus memoir or self-help book, right? Um, I think if we sum all the steps of editing up, like if you hire someone for developmental editing, then you hire someone for copy editing, then you hire someone for proofreading, and you hire someone for cover design for like a full-length novel, that's probably going to run by the average rate we see on the marketplace in the four or $5,000. Okay. Yeah. Which is quite a bit of money um thankfully you don't have to hire all those services and usually our recommendation is that you know you hire two separate kinds of editors one for the story element Mm -hmm. part uh and one for the mechanical editing part so uh someone for developmental editing and then someone who's going to do both copying and proofreading if you've got a extra cash and you really want to have zero typos in your novel, then you might want to hire a separate proofreader yeah. uh, or even several separate proofreaders. I know some authors who do very well and they hire up to five different proofreaders, I think, when they release something. Yeah. Which sounds excessive, but I mean, you know. Um, but but you, everyone misses really something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah everyone miss. misses something. So if you really <laughs> want nothing to get through, then you hire a bunch of people. Yeah. But yeah, uh, if you're really good, and then you need to identify where your strengths lie, right? If you're really, maybe you're very good at mechanical editing, at catching typos, then you just pay for developmental editing, which is really, really, I think, indispensable at the earlier stages of your career. Yeah. Um, but you save money on the copying and the proofreading by doing it yourself. And a few typos are going to be there, but, you know, it's life. Uh, readers will forgive that more than they will forgive a huge plot hole or a book uh, with pacing that completely slows down after chapter three, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you got to basically decide where where you put your money. Yeah. And that's the rule anyway. I mean, you should be you should be really picky about where you're putting your money and, and really yeah. efficient about it. Uh, okay, so we have a question from earlier uh, and I'm really, I don't, I'm really curious to hear your answer on this. Is Reedsy a way to connect with agents on some level? I I don't know which level. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, not not no. You don't uh, have like have an agent directory. listing or anything like that. Okay, yeah, we do, we do have a directory of the three agents um, where you can create even a short list of literary agents um, yeah. and then export it. We're not going to connect you to them. Um, it's just a, a directory that lists their information, uh, what kind of books and authors they've represented, uh, and which agency they work for, where they're located, etc. Yeah. So it's a very helpful research tool, especially since it's free. Like for a lot yeah. of other tools, you got to pay. Uh, that that one is free, so I would definitely use it. Um, but it's not magical in the sense that we're not going to connect you with an agent. Um, right. What I really recommend, like if you really want an agent, um, what I would consider getting is uh, hiring a professional editor for a query letter review. That's pretty inexpensive service because they're just going to look at your query. 
and your first five pages. But that is so important um, yeah. that their opinion, yeah, it, it's worth investing a couple hundred bucks yeah. to really nail those elements because otherwise you might pitch, you know, start off by pitching the five agents you really, really want because they seem perfect for you. And yeah. just because there are a few things that are off in your query, they're just going to dismiss it right out of the gate. And you've, you've burned a bridge of five agents, your, your five most interesting ones. Yeah. So that's why I recommend really, yeah, spending time and a bit of money to get those things as perfect as possible, yeah. uh, which in no way is going to guarantee that, you know, you're going to get the agent of your dreams, but it's going to put all, all the chances on your side. You could do what, uh, so you're, you're familiar with Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. You remember? Yeah. Okay. So she, in her book, uh, I am going to call it big magic, I think is the title. She actually said something about, um, how she actually got a book deal one time because she kept sending the same query back to that same agent, but like years apart and the familiarity of it, uh, got the agent to pick it up. So interesting. <laughs> now you that, and Alyssa go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's my no, that's one way to go about it. Yeah. Familiarity. Uh, you know, uh, they, they recognize the idea and familiarity breeds attraction, they say. So you, you and Alyssa, our own Alyssa, had uh, the same thought. Uh, I wanted to post yeah. her her comment. You could hire an editor with experience in editing query letters on Readsy, which is, you know, not a bad way to go. I mean, you know, I, I, that's something I think a lot of authors, if you are aiming for some sort of traditional contract, um, it, it we don't think about that. Usually we don't think that, uh, you know, we would think about hiring an editor for our, um, you know, the actual book. Uh, but we hardly ever think about, you know, maybe I should hire an editor for my copywriting or maybe I should hire an editor for my query writing or something. So that's right. Very good point. Uh, here's a nice comment that popped up from Carolyn. Uh, reads, he has so many useful resources. Love your launch book. That's cool. Thank you. Uh, is that something you want to talk about, launch book? Um, I think that's my how to market a book book. Okay. Like the, the one that is free that is free on all retailers, the one that yeah. comes in the series before the Amazon ads book. Uh, yeah. But I mean, if you're referring to a different resource on Reedsy, let us know because uh, we do have quite a few. Yeah, I think um, the, whole, the, the launch process is something that's tricky for authors. Uh, even I sometimes I've, I've changed my like workflow for launching a book probably, probably a dozen times over the past, like 15, 20, almost 20 years now. Um, and it's just, and you do have to update it to accommodate what's new out there in the marketplace too. You guys, uh, you guys are kind of closely watching the marketplaces and stuff, right? I mean, you've, you've got a great blog, by the way, we get yeah, criticized. We Internally, because our blog isn't as good as yours. Internally, <laughs> by by we, who do you mean by we? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop any <laughs> names. But a very special birthday boy today has uh, has pointed out that we could do we could we should aim for your blog in terms of quality. So, birthday boy, well, that, that is that is very nice to hear. <laughs> Thank, you. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you, birthday boy. I agree with him too. I mean, we're we we we're working on it, but you guys have definitely got your content game down. Yeah, I mean, we've got a yeah, we've got a good team, uh, and we've been doing it for quite a long time. I think content marketing has always been super important for us. Also, because 
we're self-service marketplace. Uh, yeah. And so a lot of times we get authors on there who land and they have no idea what developmental editing is, what typesetting is, what uh, copy editing is, um, and all those things. So we figured out we better do a lot of education and produce a lot of content yeah. to basically teach authors what they should be looking for, what the cost for these services usually is, um, and so that they can actually use our services um, successfully. Uh, so, sorry, I'm, I've got a couple of people are complaining about, uh, the stream being glitchy. I'm sorry about that. I have no control over that. So I hope, uh, I hope the problem gets resolved for you. Seem, things seem fine on, on our end so far. Yeah. Yeah. It looks <laughs> fine for me. All right. Sorry. Uh, uh, Ace Adams, uh, wanted to comment on ads says it's always been for me, what to pay per click. What he's, he's saying, I, I basically saying he's always trying to figure out what to pay per click. Some folks say 20 cents CPC, but I don't think they will serve your ads at that price. Is What's your experience on that with Amazon? Uh, my experience is that it varies quite a lot um, by genre and from, from one author to another. Um, and competitive contemporary fiction genre, uh, genres, it's going to take more than 20 cents usually to get a click. Yeah. Uh, can go up to $1 or more. That said, um, what I've usually found is that newer accounts have to pay more uh, because Amazon has no data on that account. So they have no data hmm. on whether your ads are going to attract clicks, let alone sales. Um, yeah. So your what we call the quality score of your ads is non-existent. Uh, wow. Whereas you're competing with other authors who've been advertising for a while and um, Amazon has data on their ads and they know that their ads produce a lot of clicks and a lot of sales. So they have a high quality score. And so for Amazon, it's more beneficial to show their ads rather than yours, unless you're bidding higher, right? Yeah. So in the beginning, you often have to bid a little bit higher and then you reduce. The alternative is going for very long tail targets and keywords. So it's very super relevant stuff that I was talking earlier where you can afford to bid a little bit lower because there's fewer competition, but obviously you're not going to get a ton of clicks on those because they're long sale. Um, yeah. So yeah, you'll, you'll have to bid a little bit higher in the beginning, but then if your account, if your ads do well, um, Amazon's going to help you. Um, and I think that's yeah. true for all retailers uh, and all and sales in general, the more you sell and the better you do on the, on any retail, the more they're going to help you. Yeah. You got to first prove that your book is doing well in their marketplace for them to want to push it further. Yeah. All right. Um, so you read Z and you in particular, Ricardo, like, like us at DDD, uh, have a pretty unique, uh, perspective on this, this on the indie publishing side of things. Um, what do you think is the next big turning point for self-publishing? Uh, it's it's looking like it's it's going to be AI apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. It's I'm I'm not big on on predicting the future because there's a ton of different things that you know that can happen. Yeah. Um, Joanna Penn is much much better than that than, than I ever was. Um, but yeah, there's a 
there's a bunch of stuff, right? There's the blockchain technology that's been around for a while. In theory, that could be amazing for books. Um, yeah. In practice, right, right now, it's very far from ready. Yeah. And we could have said the same thing about AI last year, right? In theory, right. it can completely change the publishing landscape in practice right now. It seems like we're years away from it. Um, yeah. And right now, it seems like we're there. Um, so it's it's hard to say, but it does seem like it, it's the, the, the new technology that's going to have the most immediate significant impact. And it, yeah. is, it remains to be seen like uh, where and how much. Uh, and I think what's weird with AI, it's going to be, it's going to depend a lot on legislation, I feel. Mm -hmm. And we have no idea what that legislation is going to be and when it's going to happen. Usually it takes years. Yeah. Uh, for laws to change. And for AI, we need laws to change very quickly. Um, yeah, it's a very, so. it's a very steep change curve. Like everything, everything happens instantly. Like, you know, yeah. in the past when we've had technological advances that, that, you know, either benefited or harmed authors in some way, it, it you did, you had months to years sometimes to figure it out. And this felt like a, a flip of a switch. Like suddenly we have to deal with this now <laughs> along yeah. with like aliens and spy balloons and all kinds of other things that are happening in the world. Like suddenly AI is a, a thing that we now have to, you know, not just, not just uh, contend with, but just deal with. Like we, we have no idea where it's going. It's really interesting to watch everything evolve. It is. Yeah. No, I think it's going to create like any new thing is going to create opportunities. And I, see it in yeah. a positive light i do think that we're going to need legislation because otherwise what's stopping someone from you know feeding an ai the whole catalog from a successful author and just like entering their niche yeah tomorrow with 50 different books but um, do you do you see that though as an actual like everyone's got a different answer for this i have my own take on this but is that any different other than the volume of books that they could probably produce? Does is it really a problem that these that the AI is training on someone else's work? It's is that do you see that as some violation? And you don't you don't have I to answer that, that if it puts it you on the spot. By no, the way. I see it as a violation <laughs> if they train it on one person's body of work, uh -huh. um, rather than a group of anonymized bodies yeah. right yeah uh but obviously that creates gray lines like what constitutes a group like how many people uh do we need to have a group in there um like for example especially around i think it's easier to understand images right if i say create a drawing in the same style as this famous illustrator Mm -hmm. And then that drawing is technically mine if I paid for like the you know the mid-journey license and I can use it commercially. That feels weird to me, uh, yeah. and that it feels to me like this shouldn't be allowed because you're basically taking years of work, feeding it to an AI, and then uh, basically appropriating um, that work and that style. Yeah. Whereas concepts that are more general. Um, you know, um, I want a realistic or I want a painting that's like uh, an impressionist style. Yeah. That doesn't belong to anyone, right? You, you um, know, I mean, uh, 
this is, and we'll, we'll, we're going to move away from this as soon as I ask this question, I promise. Because it, it, it's a, it is an interesting question, but like, what is functionally the difference between me asking an AI to give me, you know, art in the style of Jim Lee, you know, famous comic book artist, and me going on Fiverr.com and asking an artist there to give me art in the style of Jim Lee? Is it really that different? This is I not supposed the, to be the, our topic, by the way. So we're no, off no, on no, a no. tangent. <laughs> I think the second, like, if you ask someone to copy it, there can be a question as to the legality. It depends, like, how close what they create is. Right. And let me make work. it clear. I'm not asking for, I want this exact image by Jim Lee. I just want art in that style, the same as I might want art in the style of Picasso or art in the style of Leonardo uh, da Vinci. Um, but anyway, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to solve this or answer these questions because no. uh, there's, there's a lot, there's so much to consider, but uh, suffice to say, neither of our companies are working on anything AI at the moment that I'm aware of. No, don't hate uh, us. <laughs> but I still see it as a good tool. I, I use it for some yeah. editing. I think it's a very good editing tool. Um, it does. They've it's, it's pointed out some things that I, uh, I never would have spotted on my own. Um, all right. Well, we're sorry for getting us off on that in those weeds. For some reason, AI becomes the topic all the time. Now, I guess it's understandable. Uh, yeah. but you guys are continuing. I, I'm always impressed by everything you're doing always. And I, uh, I'm, I, I'm one of your biggest fans. I promote you uh, here at Draft Digital. You know, when people ask us for recommendations for things, you guys are always top of mind. So uh, could not um, speak highly enough of uh, of Reedsy and of you, Ricardo. You and I got to hang out in Vegas this last time for the, really the first time. We didn't we didn't get to bond earlier, but we bonded sure. in in <laughs> Vegas. So it was good to see you there. Yeah, so it was, it was great. Anything you want to uh, throw in here at the end? We've already talked about what's coming up. Or, you know, you want you can pitch your books or anything else you want. I think we've told about <laughs> we've pretty done. much everything. Like that's it. Well, <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, everything. Reason all all that's left to say is make sure you go to reedsy.com. That's r e e d s y dot com. Name for reeds. I learned in this episode of uh, of Self Publishing Insiders. See, you have Ricardo. to invite me again. To, to <laughs> yes, know, the, the you'll be back. <laughs> you'll be back. We'll, we'll, you, you're always back. You uh, so. you always Thank come you. around. Uh, everybody watching this, make sure you go to reedsy.com. Visit that. Check them out. Uh, definitely there. For, stay for the resources. It's a great uh, great tool. Uh, make sure that you are signing up for an account at Reedsy, but also at draftedigital.com. Uh, we can uh, we can help you out. And make sure you bookmark d2dlive.com where you can get updates on upcoming episodes like this one. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Self-Publishing Insiders. Thank you again, Ricardo. And to everyone else, thank you. And we'll see you all next time. Take care. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.